You're listening to Destined Women Ministries, the podcast. Enjoy. Lord God, you are good. You're perfect in all your ways. You're holy. You're just. You're true. You're the only wise God. God, we love you. We honor you. We worship you. Hallelujah. All glory and majesty. Hallelujah. Dominion and power. Hallelujah to you both now and forever, God. You're so worthy. You're so awesome. Please speak through my mouth, Jesus. Whatever it is you want all of us to hear, God, in the name of Jesus, speak that thing to us, Jesus, by your word, by your truth, by your spirit, in the name of Jesus. Blow your breath upon us right now. In the name of Jesus, everything that was getting ready to die, in the name of Jesus, we're asking that you revive it. In Jesus' name, we love you, God. In the name of Jesus, there's none like you, Father. You're beautiful. You're holy. You're so pure. You're so worthy. We thank you for calling us, Jesus. We thank you for changing our lives. We thank you for helping us through all the tough times. We thank you for never leaving our side. We love you. We love you. You're so beautiful. You're so worthy. We thank you for the fellowship. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for correction, God. We rejoice when you correct us and when you rebuke us. We thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for loving us enough to chasten us and to help us in Jesus' name. God, we look forward to praising you forever. We look forward to serving you forever. And right now, we um, look forward to this word that will help us to start this or strengthen this eternal relationship now. This eternal relationship, which has been started now, it needs to be strengthened. For some of us, it needs to begin. Lord, you know what each and every one of us needs. You know where we are in our walk with you in the name of Jesus. And we're asking that you forgive us for our sins right now. Everybody just repent for whatever it is you've done in the name of Jesus. Lord, we repent. We come before you repenting. We come before you saying that we will turn from our sins in the name of Jesus. We will live right according to your word and not according to our own minds in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We turn from our wicked ways. We humble ourselves before you, Daddy. We love you so much, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. The Lord omnipotent reigneth. Glory to his holy name. Hallelujah. He is the majesty, glorious God, and we thank him for who he is. We thank him for his love and kindness that is better than life. So we're still in surviving singlehood, learning how to survive singlehood, you know, without making any mistakes, without marrying the wrong person or making mistakes and then getting back up and becoming stronger. I was talking to Brother Philip Watson, Minister Philip Watson, awesome man of God. Do you hear me? And he was speaking to me about the scripture in Proverbs where it says, um, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. And so he said that that word falls in Hebrew, it doesn't just mean to fall. He says, he said it means to fall forward. So he said, actually, when you get up, you're in a better position than when you were when you fell. I said, if you don't preach this sermon to me today, (laughs) 
So yeah, sometimes we really may have a fall um, during our time of singlehood. I don't want anyone to feel bad or condemned about that. Just know that the Lord will use it to put you in a better position than you were in before the fall. It will bring you closer to him. It will strengthen you. It will um, give you more fight. You know, you'll have more fight within you and you'll have more understanding, not just of the Lord and scripture and his grace and his love, but also of yourself and what you need to watch out for and how you're supposed to fight and guard your heart. So all things work together for our good. We want to survive singlehood. We want to come out stronger. We want to come out better. We want to come out swinging, okay? We want to, if it be the Lord's will for us to be married, we want to come out and walk into strong, godly, holy marriages. And we want to birth out strong, godly, holy children. And all of these things begin when we are single people, the morals, the order, the structure, the intentional uh, decisions you make to be with a certain type of person and yourself to become a certain type of person. These things start when you're single. You don't just, you know, happen upon it when you're married. Now, sometimes we do. First of all, let me say that because I know so many married people who have grown closer to the Lord after they were married. Um, God bless you. And I think that's awesome. And that's what we're supposed to do. Even, even it doesn't matter how deep and spiritual you are when you're single, you're supposed to grow closer to God when you're married. Also, however, we're talking about being single and building ourselves up as single people so that we can have strong marriages and not, you know, being lukewarm and depending on the spouse. This is really to help us to dot our I's and cross our T's and to become healthy people, to seek out deliverance, to find our identity, to learn our issues, and to really learn that we need to fall in love with God. We need to live a life of structure and order. So far, we've learned about building generational wealth with the choices we make and um, who we choose to become and who we choose to merge with. And we've learned about the importance of keeping a Christ-influenced schedule so we can always maintain our prayer lives because we've, we've sown that into our day. We've woven it into our the, the, the makeup of our day. Our days are not right if we're not getting up and seeking the face of the Lord first. And those are behaviors that we will establish as single people. We will seek the face of the Lord early in the morning before we do anything else. And when we get married, we'll take that same behavior into our marriage before I deal with my children, before I deal with my husband, before I start cooking and cleaning and doing laundry and going grocery shopping and running errands, before I do anything else, I'm going to take time to seek the face of the Lord. He's my first love. He's my everything. He's our sustainer. He's the reason why our marriage is still together. He's the reason why we are healthy and alive. And I'm going to wake up and acknowledge him every single day for the rest of my life. Glory to the name of the Lord. And that should not be something that depends on your relationship status where you say, well, when I was single, it was easier. No, when you were single, you just weren't distracted and your interests were not divided. Glory to God. When you get married, you love Jesus, period. And you're going to keep seeking Jesus, 
period. And as we spoke about having that good, righteous man who walks in his integrity, your spouse will help you and um, promote your spiritual health, tell you, listen, go pray. I understand this is your prayer time. I'll give the kids a bath right now, or um, you know, I'll go get the baby. You go pray, you go handle that. Or, um, you know, let's go pray. Let's have this time of prayer together. Maybe the kids are sleeping. Let's let's do this thing together. But um, we, we spoke about those things, the importance of having a Christ-influenced schedule. And of course, we get married. Things change. But our mind and mentality um, towards the Lord will not. It should strengthen where we say, regardless. Now I have more responsibility. So all that praying I was doing, thank you, Jesus, for setting me up so I know how to handle this responsibility. I'm going to pray more. Now I have more things to pray about. So today we're going to move forward in our lesson, and we are actually going to hear, seek not. We're going to learn what this is and what the Lord has put in my heart for the the single people, and God bless you to all the married people who are listening to this also. So this lesson is called Seek Not, a part of the Surviving Singlehood series. And so I went over a journal like maybe a couple of months ago. And in that journal, I came across this dream. And in the dream, so I wrote down in the um, that I in the dream, I went up to a married couple. I saw a married couple and I walked up to them and I said, God's told me, seek not to be bound. And then I awoke, I documented the dream and my personal feelings about the dream. But literally, I moved on and absolutely, seriously, completely forgot about the dream. Okay? And so more recently, probably in like mm, sometime in August, I came across it again and I said, really? Um, <laughs> this, is a, this is a dream I had, huh? It's important to write down your dreams, everyone. So I didn't really understand it. I'm like, am I not supposed to get married now? Okay, whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but, um, you know, I believe the word of the Lord and the word that he speaks by his prophets and uh, all the the impartation he's given me concerning that. And so I didn't really understand it and it didn't resonate with me because I didn't understand it. And at that time, the topic of marriage, at the time of me having that dream, it wasn't, it was important, but not the way it is to me now. It's like, I know it's important because the Lord wants me to have it, but I'm not really with it at this point in my life. But now I'm in total agreement with the Lord. But I thought the dream meant that, you know, maybe that wasn't my route in life. There had to be a deeper meaning to the dream. And the only way I was actually going to find that deeper meaning is if I went to the scripture that correlated with what I said in my dream. So I went to the scripture and the Lord actually began to open up my understanding of what he was actually saying. And the message wasn't just for me. It was for single saints in general. So let's go here. Now we're going to dig into what seek not. When I said that in my dream, seek not to be bound based upon 1 Corinthians, the seventh chapter. We're about to go into what that actually means for us as single people. So we're going and we're going to start at uh, 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, we're, let's do verse 25. 
And I'm going to read the Amplified Bible because I like this version as we're studying and um, going along with the expounding of the scriptures. Let's do the Amplified Bible for this particular passage of scripture, okay? So 1 Corinthians 7 and 26, and whatever version you have, that's fine. I just want you to know I'm reading the Amplified Bible. It says, Now concerning the virgins of marriageable age, I have no command of the Lord, but I give my opinion as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think then that because of the impending distress that is the pressure of the current trouble, it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you unmarried? Do not seek a wife. And in the KJV, and in that dream, I said the KJV version, seek not um, to be bound. So let's pause right there and dig into that. Paul is saying to the church, listen, I'm going to give my opinion to you concerning the topic of single people, unmarried people, virgins, and getting married. I think, and this is the Apostle Paul speaking by the Holy Spirit, he says, listen, I can't say specifically that the Lord has given me some big revelation on this, but I'm going to tell you what I feel, and I have obtained uh, mercy from the Lord, and I'm trustworthy, so you can, you can trust me what I'm about to say. He says that it's good for a person to remain the way they are. Now, does he mean that you have to be that way forever and, you know, even if it's not God's will? He doesn't mean that. But what Paul is doing is he's attempting to pour contentment into the church to understand that whatever status they have is the status they need to learn to abide in. That if you're married, don't seek to be divorced so that you can serve the Lord, uh, quote, better according to yourself. And if you're single, don't seek to be married because you think, you know, you always hear two are better than one <laughs> and you think it would be so much easier for you and so much better for you if you were married. He says, because of the times, because of the current, and this is for us today, you all, because of the current cultural, spiritual, economic, political, and social climate, it is better for you to stay just how you are, just the way you are. That's the way you stay. Become proficient at being who you are. Some of us are not even good at being single and we're going to try to go and get married to somebody. No, no, no. Are you unmarried? Are you single? Seek not to be bound. Let not that be the thing that you're seeking out and looking for and hungrily grasping for. Become a proficient servant of the Lord just the way you are. The times we live in are too uncertain for you to have something else as the apple of your eye besides serving God. It's not that you won't one day go into the marriage covenant. It's just that that's not what God wants you to be focused on. He wants you to be focused on laboring for his kingdom. He wants you to be focused on fellowshipping with him, learning of him, taking up your cross, following him, growing in him, and really feeding into the relationship that will last for eternity. When you step into the perfect will of the Lord, 
All of these things will be added unto you. That's a promise from God. So you don't have to seek out to be bound. You let your request be made known to the Lord and continue to serve the Lord with with gladness, okay? He comes first. And so we have to become proficient at being who we are. And um, Paul says this for the married people. Listen, are you bound? Don't seek to be divorced. Don't try to leave your spouse because now, (laughs) because of the way the things are in the earth, you say, listen, this is a distraction for me. This person is not saved as you know they should be and they're holding me back. I need to move on. No, no, no. Become proficient at being who you are. You're a married saint. Be that. Doesn't matter. Your spouse may not be as saved as you want them to be. Become proficient at being who you are. Okay, and God will take care of the rest. Glory to the name of the Lord. Let's move on. Okay, let's move on to verse 28. But if you do marry, you have not sinned in doing so. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned in doing so. Yet those who marry will have troubles, special challenges in this life. And I am trying to spare you. He says, so if you get married, you have not sinned. But the marriage covenant bolsters or attracts a unique type of warfare. It attracts special types of challenges tailor-made just for that covenant. We see that covenant under attack from the beginning. You know, I would venture to say that there are attacks on people while they're single, so they won't find or encounter or meet the spouse the Lord has for them. And um, when you get into the covenant, then there are special challenges when you're in there. And this is why, as single people, we have to be dutiful servants of the Lord. Like uh, we went over in verse 27, the married person does not have to be single and the single person does not have to be married to be proficient at who they are as they dutifully serve the Lord. You can be who you are just the way you are. And if you as a single person really learn how to be rooted in Christ Jesus, when you're married and that special warfare and those special challenges that Paul is speaking of comes into your life, you will be ready to handle them. Doesn't mean you will know everything that's going to happen, but God will make sure you're prepared for it. Preparation. God will make sure you're prepared to handle what comes your way because you maintained him as first priority. Okay. Your spouse wasn't first priority in the marriage. Christ was. And so he'll help you in your spouse through everything else. Glory to God. And with all we see taking place culturally, spiritually, economically, politically, and socially, we see here, Paul is saying, I'm trying to spare you from the extra drama that comes along with being married, especially if you're just getting married because you're lonely, especially if you're just getting married because you're lustful, especially if you're just getting married because you're bored, especially if you're just getting married because you are attracted to them. Mm -mm, mm -mm. No, no, no. It's best for you to become proficient at who you are right now, especially if you don't have the right motives behind why you want to get married. You have to really think about what a wife is and ask yourself, am I ready? You really have to think about that virtuous woman. I feel like most women feel they're virtuous just because they're Christians. So everybody, um, you know, quote that scripture on Mother's Day, say it about your mom. Most moms don't, 
I'm not I'm not trying to talk about your mama. I'm not trying to talk about my mama. I'm just I'm just making a statement. Most mothers are not like that woman in scripture. That's why the Bible says who can find one? Her price is far above rubies. That doesn't mean that's not the way God wants us to be. That just means it's not our priority to become that way. But if we sit in the presence of God, he will teach us how to be that virtuous woman. I will tell y'all, God is the one who has taught me how to keep my home. God is the one who has taught me, listen, you have to change your curtains. You know, you do this with the seasons. You go, you get stuff to put on your wall. Make This is your home, right? The man may provide it for you, but when people come in here, they're going to judge the type of woman you are by the way this house looks. Hello, somebody. This is what, this is what father told me. And father is right. It does not matter. It's never um, culturally or socially. It doesn't matter what the religion is. It's never up to the man to keep the home. Nobody ever says, wow, Daryl sure has a nice home. They're going to come in and they're going to compliment his wife on the way the house looks, how clean the house is, and how the house is decorated. And um, the Lord will teach you all those things while you're single. So you can come into this marriage and really create a home that even if he's a good decorator and even if he's clean, he's just not able. <laughs> he's just not able to do it like a woman who has been at the feet of God. She'll know how to keep a home. The Lord will have trained her on how to do those things. Glory to God. Listen to me say it again. Become proficient at being who you are. Are you ready to keep a home? Are you ready to, do you take care of yourself right? First of all, okay, if you can say yes to that, are you now prepared to take care of him right? Let's get down to the personal things. He may need a pedicure. Have you thought about that? Are you ready to do something like that? He may work really hard and at the end of the day, you know, need a massage or something. He may be a preacher and need you to make sure his tea is ready when he gets home. You know, pedicures, massages, special drinks and all that stuff. That comes with being a servant. That's that's your role. You take care of him. You help him as he does whatever he's doing. Glory to God. And are you ready for that? Are you ready to take care of someone else in that way? Now, do you even do your own feet? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm asking you. You know what I'm saying? Do you make it a habit that, you know what, I'm going to soak my feet in some whatever, Epsom salt, sugar scrub, whatever, and then I'm going to, you know, clip my toenails. And do you do those things? Do you make sure that you get your pedicures, whether you go to the salon or not? Whatever it is, are you prepared to take care of him in that way? He's an extension of you. You and him are one. Okay, maybe he'll do your feet, you do his, but are you ready to serve someone else right now? So a lot of the times we say, I want a spouse, but we don't consider what that entails for the rest of our lives. This person is connected with you for the rest of your life. You are there for them. Are you ready to start that type of responsibility? And I must say that if you're at an age where you're still finding yourself and you can't say, I'm comfortable in my identity, I get it, God, thank you for bringing me to this place, now take me deeper in here. If you're still trying to find your way as far as your identity is concerned and you don't really know who you are, then it may not be the best decision to go into covenant and that type of covenant with someone. That's a serious covenant. It's good for you to have a good grasp on who you are, why you're on this earth, and then link with someone who has that same understanding about themselves. And when y'all come together, 
That is a powerhouse couple. That's what we want. We don't just want to be with somebody. Y'all probably going to hear me say this so many times because they look good or because they're nice or because they're intelligent. You want someone who God has actually, God says, I've taken this woman from his rib. He's not complete without her and she's not who she is unless she's by his side. This is what you want, but you have to allow the Lord to fix you up. <laughs> you have to allow the Lord to impart into you and to teach you and to mold you and shape you into that woman that can stand next to him. You don't just want to stay a rib. Hallelujah. You want to actually be a whole complete woman. That's what he needs. Glory to God. So um, as the scripture says in verse 28, if you get married, you haven't done the wrong thing. Um, at all. You have not sinned. It's not a sin to be married. It doesn't make you any less spiritual or deep. It's just the way we handle marriage when God blesses us with it. That's the problem. The problem is our divided interest. Let's read on. It says, but I say this, believers, listen to this, but I say this, believers, the time has been shortened so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they did not. And this is how Paul starts this off. He says, listen, the time is so short now. We're in the end. These are distressing times. Times are uncertain. Even the people who are married should carry themselves and behave as though they did not have a wife. They should be like they didn't have a wife. And it doesn't mean that you neglect your responsibilities as a spouse. It doesn't mean that you treat them bad or reject them. It doesn't mean that you ignore them and you are so deep in spiritual and ministry that you're not tending to your spouse. That's not right at all. Paul says the time is so short. The current distresses of this world um, present us with so much work to do as saints. The return of Christ is so near. I need every husband and every wife to serve God with the dutiful devotion of the unmarried. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, you know, I want you to just step away from this marriage. I want you to give this up. No, no, no. I want you, every married person, to serve God with the same devotion of an unmarried person. An unmarried person who has no other, you know, no divided interests and they are focused on how they can please God. And I want you to know that as a married person, it's nothing wrong with you trying to figure out how to please God because all it's going to do is put you categorically as that righteous man who walks in his integrity, who brings blessings upon the generations to come. So you don't neglect your marriage, but you handle your devotion to God like you are unmarried. Do you understand that? That you're not neglecting your marriage. And this is to people who will be married and people who are married. Doesn't mean that you step away from your marriage. You're not supposed to love your spouse and things like that. That's not what it means or that you deny them because you're so deep in spiritual. That's not what that means. It means that you serve them like you're still single. You serve God, excuse me, like you're still single. You serve him like you're still single. So he says, listen, from now on, because of the times we live in, those who have wives should be as though they did not. Serve God like you don't have a wife. Serve God with undivided interest. 
And then Paul goes on to say, and those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, and those who buy as though they did not possess anything, and those who use the world taking advantage of its opportunities as though they did not make full use of it. For the outward form of this world, its present social and material nature is passing away. Paul says it's not just for the married people. It's for the people who are going through hard times. It's for the people who are going through good times. It's for the people who are investing in real estate and buying up property. And it's for those who are using the world, these business people and taking advantage of these opportunities and going in the marketplaces and dominating things. I need you to serve the Lord with singleness of heart. You need to act like you don't even have all those things. You need to act, you know, don't let those accomplishments steer you off of the path that you're supposed to be traveling with Christ. There's nothing wrong with you having those business deals. There's nothing wrong with you investing in real estate. Nothing wrong with you having a spouse. Yes, sometimes you'll go through bad times. And yes, sometimes you'll go through some great times. Don't let anything that you're going through though, don't let your marital status change your devotion to God. The time is too short and the present condition of this world is too messed up. Things are passing away. It's too uncertain. I don't want to say messed up. Things are too uncertain. Famine, wars, rumors of wars, stockpiling food and goods and things like that. You can't get lost in what you've accomplished in this life. Thank God by his grace, you've accomplished those things. However, now you need to seek God like you have not accomplished those things. Like those things don't define you. They don't identify you in this earth realm, but you are a saint. You just so happen to have some good, successful businesses. You are a saint. You just so happen to have made some really good investments. You are a saint. You just so happen to have a lovely spouse who you're married to but nothing should change your devotion to God. And Paul goes on to tell us why a little further down. Um, But he says to us, whatever is taking place in your life, in verse 30, whatever is taking place in your life, whatever you are experiencing, whatever you are going through, um, whether it's sadness, happiness, whether you're living it up and shopping it up and acquiring great secular connections and wealth, all that stuff, good. But don't allow any of it to distract you. Do not lose focus on your primary life objective. Your primary life's objective is to serve Christ and love Christ with all that is in you and all that you have. Glory to the name of the Lord. And I'm going to stop right there and we're going to pick up this lesson, Seek Not, in the next episode. So I will see you there. God bless you and thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Destined Women Ministries podcast. I pray this fellowship was edifying, enlightening, and encouraging. If our fellowship blessed you today, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app. While you're at it, share this episode with friends, family, co-workers, social media followers, or anyone you believe would benefit from this teaching. And I'll be right back here every Monday and Thursday at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Destined Women Ministries podcast. 
For more information about this ministry, please visit www.destinedwomenministries.com.